Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Well, I just sort of walk in this morning. Now I've been working on some of my own things and uh, I walk in today and it's so great to see so many people, see some older uh, faces, some people that I haven't seen for, for a little while. It's so great to have you here. But also I walk in today and for me, it's great because I wake up in the morning and I pray and I prepare my message. I just look out and see everything is done. You know, that's what, it's, that's what it gets to be for me. I get to walk in here and there's people that have been setting stuff up and decorating and all the rest of it. And I was reminded this morning that this church has always had incredible volunteers we just have, we just have some of the most amazing volunteers that have spent time and energy and effort just building stuff for our future. This church uh, was planted in 2006. I started to think about how long ago 2006 felt. This is the thing. I realized as the older I get, it's like 10 years can go by so quickly. I was trying to think about what was happening 10 years ago. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I wonder what was out on the radio. I started listening to songs because we did a, a worship medley. By the way, what a great job our worship team did this morning leading us in worship. I thought, what was around sort of 10 years ago? I actually had this cool idea. I thought, what I'm going to do is we could uh, show you, download some clips and do a mashup of the year 2006, uh, just because it sort of takes you back. It's a little bit nostalgic, right? And I looked up what were the top songs in 2006, and they were as follows. Um, Call Me When You're Sober. Um, another, Another great hit from 2006 was Unfaithful. So okay, um, seemed like a really good idea at the time. I thought, what else have they got? They go, uh, promiscuous. <laughs> yeah, uh, sexy back. That happened, 2006. Uh, and Maneater. And I thought to myself, <laughs> I know it felt like a good idea at the time, but I just, I saw this thing going sideways when I thought, if we show these clips, People are going to leave. So I decided that we perhaps wouldn't show that. But there was one song, and I'm, we, we, I'm going to play it for you in just one second. There was one song, this song that we're about to play, this is the number one song from 2006. Why don't we play that? Because you had a bad Want to see. That's it. You had a bad day. It was uh, that guy had a bad day, but we had a great year. You know, they hear that song and you think, really? That was 10 years ago? Okay, because it feels like that song just came out in the last couple of years to me. I don't know about you. And that's, and that's the, the power of playing that stuff because you realize how quick time goes, how fast time goes. I tell you, a lot has happened in 10 years at Activate Church. I think we've had something like over 20 venues 
We, 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 we were a group of people with no building. We, we had went through, we've been in every high school gym, um, which the tech team have always been so happy about. And so a hand to our tech team who have served us so well over the last 10 years. We've been in every high school gym and uh, little place that we could rent and find. And then we found a great building uh, in, in the center of, of Ringwood. My kids, they always call that the black church because everything was black. The walls were black. The roof was black. The, everything was black. And then we didn't think it was black enough. So we decided to block out the windows. So it was pretty black. And so they said, uh, you know, when we started coming here, they said, are we going to the black church or the new one? We're like, we're definitely going to a new one. So, so we, we, we had uh, uh, our, our church in, in Ringwood. Then we left uh, Ringwood and we had no place to go. So we, we found this little community center, which we affectionately called Camp Krusty because that's exactly what it felt like. There was straw thatched roofs and, and, and uh, you know, we had, sometimes we would go into that building uh, the day before and the floor was still sticky from the night before when they had their party. And it's like, this place kind of smells like beer. Can we just clear some of that out? And so we would make every situation work while we were trying to find the place where God would lead us to. I'm so glad we're here right now. I'm so glad that we got a, a building, a great building. We had uh, building issues. We had people. This church has grown from 13 people. Uh, and, and, and in the last sort of 10 years, we actually have seen thousands of people come through Activate Church. We've discipled uh, hundreds. Hundreds of people have been saved at Activate Church. I'm still believing that the best years of this church are ahead of it. As a community, we delivered hampers to our community. We, 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 we made sort of uh, mums uh, packs and delivered those. We had uh, days where we, we would just thank the community pretty much for existing. Uh, and, and so we would uh, give them hampers and, and and handed those things out. I used to run, years ago, I used to run a street teams ministry where I would walk around Ringwood and sort of, you know, introduce myself and then talk about Jesus. That is so easy to do. And so I, I said, hey, listen, can I, can I do barbecues out the front of Eastland Shopping Center? I can't believe they let me do it, but they did. And so we ran sort of barbecues. We had a vault ministry. And uh, who was involved in our vault ministry? Lots of people. Um, we had a vault ministry where we would let people who were struggling in the community to come in and, and to have a meal. We ran an op shop for a period of time where people could come in and just sort of, you know, just get really uh, uh, affordable clothing. And look, we have done a lot of things. We've had a lot of ministries through here. Uh, we had, uh, uh, we've had conferences. Uh, we had, a, uh, once we had a gangster from LA came, he was pretty great. We've had people that have been raised from the dead and come back to tell their story. That was pretty amazing. We had Watoto Children's Choir here last year. And all of these things are amazing. Like I look back over the highlights of the last 10 years and uh, the incredible things that were set up. I thank uh, God for Pastor Corey who came and planted this church. And I'm very grateful and thankful that uh, Pastors Corey and Simone were able to hand it over to Sarah and I. And uh, I, I, I mean, I'm excited about it. I'm, I thank God for everything that he's done. Uh, but God's work is not finished because I really do believe that the best years of this church are yet to come. I'm telling you, it's all in our future. It's, it's going to uh, happen. And I, you know, I oftentimes I preach a message and I will get down and, you know, I'm kind of tired because that's the way I do it. So uh, I, I get down and I have a drink and we're worshiping and 
last Sunday, I got down and I stood there and um, God interrupted my thinking. And uh, I, I, never have I had this happen before. And I stood there and he said to me, that's it. He said, that's the last message you preach in this season. He said, next, and I've heard him so clearly. He said, next week, you step into something new. I said, I'm excited about what we're stepping into as a church. Hey, come on. We've had a great 10 years. We've had a great 10 years. But today, I feel like we're stepping into a new season. So what I want to do today is I want to share a message with you. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to preach for a long time, I think. Um, if you come to Activate Church, you know what that means. And so I, I don't plan to, I don't, pl- how about, I'm going to, I don't plan to preach for a long time today. And uh, I don't plan to do that, but I want to share a story with you. I just want to make a couple of points. And then I want to tell you what God has been placing on my heart for the future of our church and uh, where we're going and, and what we're doing. So I want to tell you a story because I love telling stories. Uh, you know, the Bible is an incredible story. There's lots of great stories. And I want to tell you the story about a, a, a king. Uh, his name was uh, King David. And uh, you would have heard about him if you're new to church. Uh, there was uh, David and Goliath, that, that boy that killed the giant. He grew up and he became uh, the king of Israel. And so he, he, uh, David was the kind of guy like growing up and slaying Goliath. That's pretty impressive for a young man. I mean, most of the Israel wouldn't dare to walk out and attack him. And yet this young guy, he came out and did it. And so people would begin to sing songs about David. They would say things about David uh, like, well, uh, Saul, who was the current king at the time, they said he killed people in their thousands. Oh, but David, he's killed people in their tens of thousands. You know, he was a remarkable person. Now, he eventually became king. And when you're surrounded by people who keep uh, getting around you and saying how amazing you are, eventually you can start to believe your own press. And so David started to believe his own press. Everyone's telling him how amazing he is. And so he decides to take a a, a census to measure the vastness of his kingdom, to measure, uh, uh, you know, how big it was and how many warriors they had and how many soldiers they had. And after they take this census and they do it, God is mad with David about it. I mean, he is really, really mad. And I know why. Because God hates maths. He hates mathematics. You didn't know that about God, did you? He hates maths. He doesn't like counting. He hates addition. He said, no addition. He might know that's not actually why he was so mad. It wasn't because he hated maths. He even named a book after numbers, like he must love them. So, so it wasn't because of that. It's not the reason. He was, he was mad because David wasn't measuring the, the vastness of the kingdom. He wasn't measuring uh, uh, how great God had grown their kingdom. He was mad with David because David was measuring himself. David was measuring how great his kingdom was. And as he began to measure how great his kingdom was, it was a sign of their independence. He said, look how great we are. I'm a really big deal around here. You know, this is what David's sort of thinking. So God is just mad because he's saying, you know what? You're measuring the vastness of how great you are. Here's something that Jesus said. Jesus said, you have to abide in me. He said, "If if, if a branch is to bear fruit, it must be connected to the vine. 
And sometimes people, they see this great fruit and they think it's because they're so great. It's not because they're so great. It's because God wanted to do something with them. It's because God has a plan for them. He has a plan for their future. And while you remain connected, you're okay. He said, without me, you can do nothing. My daughter, she's one. And uh, she's one. And she already loves shoes. I'm serious. She loves shoes. I thought it's already started. Like this, why do I feel like this is going to cost me money later on, you know? She loves shoes. She wears all of our shoes. She'll put on my shoes and try to walk around the house. And sometimes I see her trying to put on her own shoes. And so I get down and she can't do the buttons to get them done upright. So I try to help her. I say, hey, let me at that. Let me. You know what happens when I try to help her? She says, get away. She like, she'll like hit my hand away. She gives me this look like, let me do it on my own. She's so intense on being independent. I don't understand why a one-year-old wants to be independent. I'm like, don't you understand that? You really need my help. But you know, people do life the same way. They try to do it on their own. This is why God is so mad with David is saying, you're trying to do these things on your own. I'm going to make three points to you today. This is the first of three points. If you want to bear fruit, you got to stay planted. You got to stay connected. If you want to bear fruit, you got to stay planted. You got to stay connected. I can tell you right now as a church, as Activate Church, we will always stay connected to Jesus. He is the foundation of everything that we are about. It's all about the completed work of Christ on the cross. It's all about what He's done for us. And so today we come together and we celebrate an amazing day, but we're not here today to celebrate our achievements. And we're not here today to celebrate our accomplishments. And I like to reflect on the history, but really this story is the history of what God has done. And more to the point, it's the story of what God is about to do. That's why we're here today. We celebrate what God has done over 10 years. But I'm telling you, I believe that the best is yet to come. So anyway, back to this story. David doesn't really understand this. And as a consequence of his independence, get this, 70,000 men in Israel have fallen. And so now here's David and he's desperate to try to fix this situation that he's caused. And this is where we join the story. I want to go to that first slide. It says in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verses 18 to 26. It says, Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad, who was a prophet, who was with David at the time, to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. He turned... And saw the angel and his four sons who were with him, they hid themselves. So would you. Whenever angels showed up, either something really good or really bad was about to go down. So hide and figure it out later. And so there, there they are and they're hiding themselves. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornan, Give me the site of the threshing floor that I may build on it an altar to the Lord. Give it to me at its full price that the plague may be averted from the people. And Ornan said to David, take it and let my Lord the king do what seems good to him. See, 
I give you the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for a grain offering, I give it all. But King David said to Ornan, no, but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David paid Ornan 600 shekels of gold by the weight of the site or for the site. David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. It's a pretty interesting story. A lot of things going on there. I just want to draw out a, a, a main idea here, which is that you got two guys. These are two of the most generous people that you've ever seen standing there and you know, both are trying to give the offering. David says, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it. And Ornan says, no, 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 let me give it. And David says, no, 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 I'll pay for it. Have you ever gone out to dinner with a person like this? Let me pay. No, 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 let me pay. No, 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 let me pay. They're great to go out for dinner with. I'm like, all right, you pay. <laughs> you really feel to do it. I don't want to rob you of this. Anyway, so here are these two guys. They're saying, no, 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 let me pay, let me pay. David wins because he's the king. So he says, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you 600 shekels of gold. I'm going to pay you for this land. Do you know why they're so interested, both of them, in trying to give an offering? They're both interested. No, let me pay for it. No, let me give it. It's because sacrifice reveals your heart. And they want to give it. They want to give it and sacrifice. It's a great revealer of people's hearts. You would be surprised how people will sacrifice for something that means so much to them. And the, and, and the point connected to this is that sacrifice reveals your heart, but it also attracts a response. In fact, the passage that we read at the very end there, it said that God responded with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. It, it attracts a response. And this is often the way it works, is that people, they begin to sacrifice and so sacrifice and God sees it. And God is moved by sacrifice. He's moved when He sees people sowing. He mo he's moved when He sees people giving. And so He begins to respond to it. It always happens in that order. It's that God sees what we sow first. And then He says, right, I'm going to answer you based on what I've seen you do. That's the order it happens. Here's my second point. If you want to reap anything, first you got to sow. You can't actually reap without sowing. Does that make sense? It happens in that order. So first, you can only reap after you sow. So what do you want to see tomorrow? See, whatever you want to see tomorrow, you begin sowing into today. If you want to see your relationship with your spouse improve, start sowing into it today. If you want to see your business improve, you start sowing into it today. And if you want to see your church go and do great things, you start sowing into it today. Because when you start to sow, God sees what you're doing. He sees the contents of your heart. He sees the passion with which you serve. He sees the desires and it moves Him and He responds and He begins to answer prayers. So I sort of think about this and I think, well, come on, Activate Church. What do you want to see happen in our church tomorrow? What do you want to see happen in the future of this church? 
Now, I'll tell you this right now, is that whatever you see, and I want you to start to think about this, because what you see happening tomorrow, we need every single person to start sowing into it today. You need to start sowing into it today. Start sowing into the future. You know, I, here's what I believe. I believe everybody has something to sow. I believe everybody has something to give. And I remember being a young guy and going to church and thinking to myself, why well, have really nothing, I have no skills, I have no talents, I have no abilities. I, I, I seriously sat there and thought, I have no idea what I could do. I, I had like one thing, which was that I like to talk to people. And I said, well, God, what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the one thing that I think I've got. And you see what you can do with it, if you can do anything with it. It's amazing what we have in our possession, and we don't even realize we've got it. It's amazing what's in your hand when you don't even realize what God's placed in your hand. You don't even realize what God's put in your hand. I tell you, I look out over this church and I see people with talents and skills and abilities. And I see people who think they've got nothing when I think they've got so much to give. I think that people have so much to offer. And what is amazing is when you start to hand what you've got and you give it to God, it's revealed to you in the moment of your sacrifice what you had all along. This is true for us as a church, but you know what's really crazy? This is true for Ornan as well. You see, what Ornan didn't realize is that the land that he had, he didn't realize what was in his possession. You see, Ornan had this land that David had requested. On it, a threshing floor. A threshing floor is where you separate the kernels of corn from the, from the uh, wheat. And so he would be threshing out. And I bet you that his whole life, him and his family, here they were, they would just walk across this ground. They'd walk across the land. It's just their property. It's just what they own. It's nothing special. Except that what happened there is that David, right after the land is given to David, just a few verses later, David hears from God and he realizes that that site that was given, the site that they built this little altar on was actually the future site for the temple of God. The whole time, Ornan has this precious piece of land, but it's not until he gives it that something amazing happens with it. It's not until it's sacrificed before God can take it and do something with it. I bet you him and his kids, they just used to sit around. They had no idea that they were sitting on something so special all that time. Here's Ornan threshing out the wheat. It's just a piece of dirt. It's not just a piece of dirt the way that God sees it. I wonder if Ornan realized that actually 800 years earlier, it was the exact same spot where Abraham took his son Isaac and was willing to sacrifice him. And at the last minute, God said, no, 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 don't do this. No, I'm going to provide a substitute sacrifice. I bet you Ornan, he never saw this coming, that years after the land was given and after the temple was built, that that same mountainous region at the north end of it was this little place called Calvary. That it was the site where a sacrifice would actually take place, where someone would truly give their son so that we could be free. I love that. You know, the, that, that place, that threshing floor was about separating the, the wheat from the kernels of grain. I love that the site was used for the exact same thing a few thousand years later or a thousand years later where, they would, where God would use that same mountainous region to separate people's sin from who they are so they could live in an amazing future. And all this time, this amazing piece of dirt I'm telling you right now, it's amazing what people have got in their hands. 
And they have no idea what they're holding onto. They have no idea that. I wonder what you have in your hand. I wonder about the talents that God's given to you. I wonder about the abilities, the spiritual gifts, the natural gifts. I wonder what God's put in your hands. And if if you took it and if you gave it to Him and said, well, I I don't have much, but I'm going to give you what I have and I'm going to start sowing it into the future of your house. I wonder what God would take and do with the little that you give to Him. If you, if you look through the Bible, story after story is, is this, uh, uh, um, we see this played out so many times where people give God the little that they have. And when they give it to Him, He does incredible things with their future. Man, I wonder what God would do with you if you just started sowing everything that you had. Man, I, I, I love this passage of Scripture. It's such a powerful passage of Scripture, but I'll be honest, I, I, I just wanted to get to this part, to this next part. This is my favorite part. This is the part where David realizes that he's got to build the house of God. He's got to build this temple. And he starts to realize how big this thing is going to be. He realizes that the scope and the vastness of what it would require and the sacrifice and what it's going to cost. And he, he, he sees it all. And this is what he comes to. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5. David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, of fame and glory throughout all lands. Therefore, he says, I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. He saw the significance of it. He saw the vastness of it. He saw how big this task was going to be. And I love that he realizes in this moment that he's not even going to get to see it. So he starts making preparations before his death for a building he'll never see for a place he'll never walk, for stuff that that is going to be way beyond his years and after his death. You know what I love so much about this passage is that David makes a decision to start making preparations for a future generation that are going to walk in the foundations of what he builds. I love that he starts to pull together resource from everywhere. It comes at great cost. It comes at great sacrifice, but he pulls everything together. He says, guys, we got to start to build something for a future generation that's coming after us. I see what God wants to do with the future. I see what He wants, what He's got planned. We got to start building it today. We got to start sowing today so that future generations can walk in the, in the future of what we build. See, here is my third point for today. You use what you have today to build tomorrow. Use what you have today to build tomorrow. You see, I love this, that David, he's not insecure. He doesn't look at what's happening and say, I can't believe that my son is going to get to build that temple. I can't believe he's going to get to do it, that he gets to walk in it. He doesn't think like that at all. You know what he's doing? He's setting up the next generation to win. He's setting up the next, and he's not insecure about that. That's exactly how I feel about church. 
You know what I think that we should be doing? We should be setting up the next generation to win. We pour everything that we have into this current time and we sow everything that we've got to start to build some foundations, to lay some foundations to prepare for what God is going to do tomorrow. You see, when I see people beginning to succeed, I never get insecure about it if they're serving in our church. I want the preachers that come through in this church to be so much better than me. I want the worship leaders that come through in the next generation to be doing even better than the worship team is now. Do you know why? Because it's the heart of God to see every generation to go further than the previous. I never get insecure when I see people succeeding and I hope that they do better than me. Do you know why? That's a sign of our success when we've built something that's so significant and the generations that come after us could take it further than we ever could in our lifetime. That's when we celebrate because we say we did it. We gave God our resource, our abilities, our talents. We did what we could in our time and then we handed it to a generation that's coming after us that are gonna do something significant with it. Now, I'm only 34, you know, I turned 35 this year, so I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be around for a while, you know, but I tell you what, everything that has ever been built that was significant started planning early. They started preparing. They started sowing. They started thinking about where this thing was going. I think that the roof in this generation becomes the floor for the next generation. That they get to stand on what we built and do something that we could hope for and dream of. I think about this as a church, Activate Church. If we begin to sow now, then we get to build something that will even outlast us. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that gets me excited. It gets me excited to think about a church that starts to build and prepare for the future. It gets me excited to start to think about what God could do if we just gave Him everything that we had. And what we sow today Generations, generations, generations of people get to walk in tomorrow. What we sow today, what we build. I asked God about that. I said, give me some insight. I want to know what's happening tomorrow. We have an amazing 10 years. I just wanted to know what was happening in the next 10 years. Did you know that the number 10 10 is the cycle of completion? When God spoke to me at the end of last week, He said, all right, so that's it. It's up. So what's next? I asked God that last year. And this is the scripture that He gave to me. He said, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Here's a test of your faith. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations. Do you know the first time that I heard that was the first time that I ever attended Activate Church. I wasn't the pastor, I just showed up and that was one of the first scriptures I ever heard preached. And when God spoke to me and He gave me that scripture, He told me that it was time to dream again. That's why we themed our year Dream Again because I realized we're beginning something, something that's supposed to happen in the next 10 years something that God will be doing in the next 10 years. And I looked at that scripture and it speaks to me. That is so filled with vision. It spoke so greatly to me to enlarge the place of your tent, to stretch out the curtains of your habitations, to lengthen your cords and to strengthen your stakes. It spoke to me about structure. And so internally, and you wouldn't even realize this, but internally we've been 
building a, an internal structure in this church. We've been shifting a lot of things in the last couple of months. Building and strengthening and building teams to accommodate. What am I doing? Oh, I'm just getting prepared. <laughs> I'm just getting ready. It speaks to me about a season of preparation because I'm, I'm so in preparation today for what I believe is going to happen tomorrow. So what am I doing? I'm strengthening cords and I'm, and I'm lengthening. I want to enlarge the place of our tent. To me, this speaks about preparation for a future season. It speaks to me about expectation for what God is going to do. Now I've got expectation in my heart for the next 10 years about what God is going to do. To me, it speaks of family because if you read this Scripture and you look at what it says in its context, this Scripture, you read what commentators say, this is directly about this. It's about Israel increasing the size of its family. And what do I pray for? I say, God, would you increase the size of our family? doesn't matter what it grows to or how it ends up. It's always going to feel like family. I sit around in leaders meeting. I'm so comfortable in this place. I'm so comfortable in this church. I love this church. I love the people that are in this church. I don't, uh, when, when, when we have our leaders meeting over at our house, I mean, I'm wearing tracky dacks. I'm comfortable. I love it. These people, they feel like my family. But I realize that God's got something for us to do as a family. There's a plan here. There's a purpose for me looking at you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're a part of this. I'm so glad that you're going to see what God wants to do in the next season of our church. And so what I want to do today is really simply, I just want to tell you what God told me. I want to tell you what God sort of placed in my heart. And so this year, there are going to be two big days. You're already at the first one. Congrats. But there is a second day that we will have later on this year because there are implications of this vision. And so today, I'm just going to tell you what it is. But later on this year, I'm going to tell you what it means. I'm going to tell you about the implications of what this means. And so I prayed to God. I said, God, what do you, what do you want us to do? It's so interesting. I, I went back to the future. I started to look at what the original plan was for this church. I have the strategic plan somewhere locked away. I got it out. I said, God, I know what's on my heart. Can you? I can't even remember what the thing was. I started flicking through it. I thought that is exactly what you've been telling me. You see, God gets the church He always wanted, doesn't He? He planted something. It took some turns along the way, but God always gets His way. And so this is what God spoke to me about. This is, our, this is our vision. Pretty simple. It's pretty easy to raise every generation to build the kingdom of God. To raise every generation to build the kingdom of God. See, it's not just about our kids. It's about every generation. It's about young and it's about old. You may be sitting here today and you're, looking at retiring, feeling like maybe you missed some opportunities to do what God had for you, maybe in your life. Maybe you got regrets, but here's what we want to do. We want to raise every generation to build the kingdom of God. 
I don't know what you plan on doing with the next season of your life. I don't know what you plan on doing with the next season of your life. I don't know what you, I don't know how you spent the, the first one, two, three, four seasons of your life, but I know what our plans are for you in the next is that we want to train and teach and raise every generation to build the kingdom of God. So I don't care if you're little or short or tall. I, I don't care what kind of job you've got. I don't care about none of that. I don't care if you're retired. I don't, I don't know where you came from and I don't know how you got to be here, but if you stay here, here's what we're going to do. We're raising every generation to build the kingdom of God because here is what Jesus said. He had a conversation with Peter one day and he said, on this rock, I will build my church. He said, but what I give to you are the keys for the kingdom of heaven. And I got this idea that if we teach people how to build the kingdom of God, if we begin to, what do you have keys for? So you can unlock something. As we begin to unlock the kingdom of God for every generation, I got this feeling that God's just gonna build our church. That if we stay focused on the kingdom, then everything else begins to just fall into place after that. What's our heart's desire to raise every generation to build the kingdom of God? I'm telling you, this thing called the kingdom, it's so big, it's so vast, it's so huge. Do we need everybody's help? We need everyone's help. We need everyone to do it. There is gonna be so much room in the next season of this house for you to use what God has placed in your hands. Some of you don't even know what God's put in your hands. You have no idea. Maybe it's not been awakened in you. Maybe you have no idea. Maybe you're sitting here today like I did all those years ago saying, well, I don't really have anything to offer. You have no idea what God can do with you if you place your life in His hands. And what we wanna do is just simply show people how to use what God has sort of placed in their hands. There is so much room here for you to use what God has given to you. I think that generations are both age and experience. I believe that right now, here we are. I'm not just talking about kids coming through. There are generations of new Christians that are coming through. They're gonna be in their 40s, 50s, 60s. We got generations of people coming in. Let's set them up to win by building something significant now. So as a church, we, we have a mission, but I wanted to change the mission. And I'll tell you why. I woke up this year and it dawned on me that what we were looking at, while it was good, it probably wasn't everything that I felt was on our church. So uh, I decided to look at what God had for us. Now, what we said was we want to create a community of faith who love people, make, equip, and send disciples of Jesus Christ. How many of you can remember that? All right. Here's what God said to me. Our mission as a church is to build the church not a church, <laughs> there's a difference. Capital C church, to build the church, that's kingdom. To build the church through people who are, and here is the process attached to how we see this working out, through people who were saved, freed, equipped and sent. See, the thing is, is that I'm gonna be honest with you today. I sat down with some of my elders and I sat down with the board and I said, If we just build a church in 20 years time, would you look back on this and say, 
that we did everything that we were supposed to do. And they said, no. Do you know how God extends His reach across the globe? He plants churches. That's how it happens. Now I have no immediate plans to plant churches, but it's in our future. It's gotta be. I think that that's what's staying true to the gospel. And they can, they don't have to, I'm not talking about campuses. I mean, we just wanna plant churches. I wanna plant churches because there are communities that are in need. This morning, I'm having a conversation in the foyer and somebody says to me, you know, we really don't have many churches around that spot. That's in Victoria. What about the rest of the globe? So what's on my heart is that we're not just here to build this church. We gotta be about building churches. We gotta be about extending the hand of God across the globe. So I'm just saying to you, I'm not saying we're doing this tomorrow. I'm saying it's in our future. I wanna plant churches out of this church. I think it's being true to the Great Commission. The church is a place of community. It's a place of family. The church is established through the hands of God's people. If you're new to church, get this, God can do anything, but He chooses to work through His people. So it's actually through the work of our hands that everything that we wanna see tomorrow begins to happen today because of the work of our hands. It's about what we sow today and what we will begin to reap tomorrow. The church, we don't actually save people. I mean, we're pretty good, right? But we don't save people. No, it's actually, we just introduce people to the one who saves. That's what we do as a church. And so we wanna be a church that continues to introduce people to the one who saves. We wanna see that process of people being saved in church. And then the church works to see people to live free because how many people do you know that became Christian but stayed trapped? Jesus promised this life of abundance, but they don't have it. They're still living trapped. And so we want to see people that live free, that live free, that live this abundant life, a church, the church that builds big people by training and equipping the church that sends people on mission to change the world. We want to be a church. We want to build the church through people who first become saved and next they become free. And then they become equipped and then we send them. That's your story. You fit somewhere into this. How much you fit into this in our future is totally up to you. So here's what I want you to do. There's a, there's a card on your seat. Just grab it now. It says so equals reap. I want you to take a pen in your hand. I want you to begin to write down what you see God doing in this church in the next 10 years. I'm gonna give you a moment to do that right now. Just write down something. What do you see? What do you see God doing in this place in the next 10 years? Don't hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Just write a little something in there. Just write a little something that maybe you could see happening. Take out your pen, do it now, right? Begin to write it down. As you're writing it down, I think God's gonna begin to speak to people. I hope that as you're writing it down, He begins to speak to you about where you fit into that story, but begin to write down what you see God being able to do in the next 10 years. Are you there? 
Have you done it? As you finish writing that thing, maybe you want to write it when you get home. I want you to take that card. I want you to hold it in your hand for just one second. You got it? This card that you're holding, it's a seed. No, it actually is a seed. In real life, there are seeds in that card. That's why it feels lumpy. There are seeds in this card that you're holding. I bet you can't guess what kind of seeds they are. Do you know what they are? You're gonna, you plant this thing, it's gonna grow. Do you know what you gotta plant? Do you know what's gonna grow? No, time. It's time. Yeah, sure, you can add it to your dinner in a couple of months, but right now, it's just a seed. The seeds of time are in the card that you hold. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that card of time and I want you to sow it. I want you to plant it. I want you to take it home. I want you to place it in good soil and I want you to water it. And here's what I believe. If you begin to sow your time, into your goal, if you begin to sow your time into your vision, if you begin to sow the time that is required into the next season of this church, man, we have no idea what God can grow. We have no idea what God can do. And so you take that and you plant it. I want you to pray over it and say, God, I'm planting this today. Here's what I see happening, but I'm gonna plant it today. And I want you to grow it. I want to see it bear fruit. I want to see it stay connected. I want to see it do incredible things. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.